Long ago, before the time of Christian kings and emperors, there lived a man named Eustace. Eustace was a general in the army, and he was also known for his generosity uh, to the poor and to those in need. Eustace had a wife named Teo, and they had two sons, Teddy and Aggie. One day, Eustace was out hunting, as he liked to do, and he saw a big deer up ahead of him, a buck, and he started chasing after it on his horse. And when he finally caught up with it, it was above him on a hill, and he looked up, and this buck was standing there with a glowing cross between its antlers. And he heard a voice say, why are you chasing me? And he said, who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus Christ. You do not know me yet, but your good deeds honor me. I want you for my flock. Go to the bishop and be baptized. So Eustace ran home. This was a little unusual experience, I think. But Eustace ran home and told everything to his wife. And she said, Eustace, that's amazing. Last night I had a dream. And in my dream, a voice said, tomorrow you and your husband and your sons will become Christians. And you will come to know that I am the true God. And so immediately they went to the bishop and they were baptized and had communion. After this, Eustace went back to that hill and uh, said prayers of thanksgiving to God for, for bringing him to the true faith. And he had another word, he had another revelation. And this time, the voice said, some pretty horrible things are going to happen to you soon. Um, kind of like Job. You should probably get familiar with his story. Um, but if you trust in me, and prevail to the end, you will defeat the devil. And sure enough, in short order, all kinds of horrible stuff happened. Eustace was a general, but at that time, generals also were usually big landowners, and he had a big, huge farm. And all of his servants died in a plague. And then all his cows died, and all his sheep died, and all his goats died, and all his crops failed, and all his wells dried up. And the, the, the entire farm just was... just useless at this point. There was nothing uh, left of it. But he and his family decided they would leave the farm and sail away to Jerusalem and live in secret among the poor there. They would adopt a life of poverty. This was the, the, they thought the path that God had set for them. So Eustace and Teo and Teddy and Aggie, they get on a boat and start heading towards Jerusalem. <clears throat> Did I mention that Teo was really pretty? Well, it turns out this, uh, the ship's captain was not a really nice guy, and he decided he liked Teo an awful lot and would kidnap her for himself. So at the first opportunity, he threw Eustace and the two boys, Teddy and Aggie, off onto the shore and sailed away with Teo. So now Eustace and the two boys start walking. They're walking. They, they think Jerusalem is that way, so they're going to keep going that way. And they come to a great river. And this river is too big uh, for the boys to cross by themselves. So Eustace takes Teddy and starts to cross over. And he gets almost to the other side and looks back. And a lion has grabbed Aggie and run off into the woods. 
And he puts Teddy down and he runs back to try and get Aggie. But before he gets over here, a wolf has come and grabbed Teddy and run off into the woods. The voice told him some horrible things were going to happen. Now he's all alone. He doesn't even have his family anymore. All he has left is his faith. And then he is captured and made a slave. And he lives in this uh, life of slavery, of hard toil for a number of years. Um, and presumably uh, just keeps his faith as, as well as he can. Um, several years later, the emperor realizes he's having trouble with the army. And the trouble is they miss their old general. They really liked Eustace. He was a fantastic general, and they, they don't want to go and do battles without him. So the emperor sends out word into the empire, find Eustace, bring him back. I don't know where he went, bring him back. And eventually they find him. He doesn't come right out and say who he is, but some men that knew him recognize him from some of his scars, his battle scars. And they say, that's our old leader, come back with us. And so he agrees to go back with them. Still, you know, his sons are presumably food for wild animals and his wife is gone. So he goes back to Rome, leads the emperor's army into battle, uh, and they're victorious. On the way back, there have been a number of new recruits raised for this, this, these battles, and, and on the way back, two of these recruits kind of struck up a good friendship, and they're in their tent, getting to know each other better, as you do, and one says, yeah, when I was a little kid, strangest thing, we were on this boat, and then the sea captain kidnapped my mom, and then we were crossing a river, and a wolf came and got me, right? And, he, and, a, and a lion came and got my little brother. And the other brother said, Aggie, it's Teddy, oh my gosh, and they hug, and they cry, and everything. They, they had this great reunion. Somehow they had survived. Turns out some shepherds had rescued one of them, and uh, some farmers had rescued the other. Well, as they're having this reunion, it just so happens a local woman is carrying some water. I've seen carrying water on the heads, right? She's carrying water, uh, and she overhears their conversation and realizes those are her sons. And she doesn't go to them yet. You see, the sea captain had actually had a massive stroke and died before he could really kidnap her. So uh, she was put on the, the land and lived kind of a free and peaceful life um, all this whole time, not knowing what happened to her family. But she goes to the general, and she, she goes into there and see the general and says, General, you don't know me, but my two sons were lost years ago, and I've just discovered that they're in your army. Please take me back to, your, back to Rome with you. I don't want to be separated from my family again. And as she's telling them this, he realizes it's Tio. It's his wife, and that means his sons are here too. And so he calls them all together. They have a big, huge reunion. It's amazing. Everybody's crying and laughing, and there's tears of joy and celebration. It's an amazing reunion. So the horrible things are kind of in the past now, it would seem. So they get back to Rome, and the emperor is very pleased. He's very pleased with the outcome of the battle, and so he throws a big celebration. Big, huge party. Everybody come to the temple and sacrifice to the idols. Because that's what you do in Rome at that time when you're celebrating. And someone says, uh, Emperor, the General Eustace did not come and sacrifice. He doesn't understand. He calls Eustace and he says, Eustace, why didn't you, why didn't you sacrifice? You should have so much to be thankful for. Not only did the gods provide you victory in battle, but they've reunited your family that you thought was lost to you. 
you of all people should, should give thanks uh, and sacrifice to the gods. And Eustace said, I am a Christian, and I glorify and give thanks to Christ. I offer sacrifice to him. I owe my life to him. I do not know or have faith in any other god. The emperor didn't like this too much. Your big famous victorious general is refusing uh, to sacrifice to the gods. That's not good. So he gets really angry. He says, I'm going to take away all of your military honors and your ranks and your rights if you don't sacrifice the gods. Eustace says, I'm sorry. I've already given my answer. And so he says, fine, tie up the whole family and feed them to wild beasts. Interestingly, remember the boys had already had some experience with wild beasts. Uh, but the beasts refused to eat them. Kind of sniff and say, no, we don't want, we don't want any part of that. That's not for us. So this just makes the emperor even more mad. Um, emperors get like that sometimes when, they're, when their wishes are thwarted. Um, <clears throat> so he has this idea. He's gonna, he has this big, hollow, brass bull. And he heats it up to red hot over a fire. And he orders the family to be put inside of it. Before they do, Eustace says this prayer. Grant, O Lord, thy grace unto our relics, and grant a place in thy kingdom to all who call upon us Though they call on us when in danger on a river or the sea, we entreat you, come to their aid. And then they're put into this fiery furnace of a brass bull. Three days later, the fires died down, they opened the bull, and the, the family of martyrs, they're dead. They have died in the fire. But their bodies look like they're just asleep. They look beautiful. Not a hair is singed on them. Their faces shine with the light of God. And many who see this are converted and become Christian. Uh, and they're, they're, they're then buried and given honor and reverence in their burial. So that's the story of Eustathius, Theopistus, Theopistus and Agapius. And if you listen closely, we've already heard some singing about Eustace and his family, Eustathius and his family. Um, these stories of martyrs' lives can be really challenging, I think. <laughs> Um, because their, their actions and their faith and their commitment is astonishing sometimes. Um, but I think there are, are circumstances in our own lives offer the same opportunities to live out our faith that the martyrs have. Because they were simply living out the scriptures. They were living out the very scriptures, for instance, that we heard today. Um, and that's, that's what we have in, a, in the circumstances of our lives as well. St. Paul, in today's reading, gave us a list of contrasts. St. Paul really likes to make lists. And today he makes a list of contrasts of things of kind of external circumstances and things of the internal truth of our existence. He says we're hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, not despairing. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. Think about Eustace and all of these things that happened to him and his family. Not crushed, not despairing, not forsaken, not destroyed. Because they carry, because we carry in our body the death of Jesus, we can manifest his life. Jesus, in one of the other scriptures, told us to take up our cross 
He said we should lose our life for his sake. And when we do that, we can say with St. Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We, each in our own way, face the same circumstances as Eustace and his family. Maybe not as dire sometimes, but certainly horrible things happen and some good things happen. Either way, we should remember the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And when horrible things happen, we can remember we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. And when great things happen, we can say with Eustace, I glorify and give thanks to Jesus Christ. I do not know or trust in any other God. And finally, we need to imitate Eustace in one more way, in his love for his neighbor. There's a brass bowl. It's red hot. You and your family are about to be put in it. What does Eustace pray for? Other people. He asks for grace uh, from God for others. Not only that, but that if people would specifically remember him and his family, that God would grant them grace. He wanted to keep on praying for other people even after he passed over into the, into, into the repose. Through the prayers of the great martyr Eustathios, his wife Theopisti, and his sons Theopistus and Agapius, may God illumine us with the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen.